Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. I want to share three things with you. These are the last verses in Acts. <laughs> two years. We've been in Acts for two years. <laughs> I love it. It's been good. I've learned a lot. I've been reminded a lot, and I'm thankful for it. I hope you have too. We're going to take uh, this last passage and just walk through these final verses in Acts. And then next week and the following week, I'm going to do two summary passages. I'm going to talk about our message, which I sure hope you know, which is the gospel of God's grace, right? And then the method. The method. How are we following Christ? in the midst of what he's called us to be a part of. And we'll summarize everything. And then we're going to go into a, a series uh, towards the end of the year. And we're going to talk about uh, the community of the church. The community of the church. And then obviously next year we're going to go through the whole Bible. So hang in there, right? Hold your hats on. Three things this morning as we look at this passage. Acts chapter 28, verses 25 through the end of this chapter. The end of the book of Acts. First of all, persuading others with the word of God. I think we've seen Paul do that everywhere that he's gone. You've seen Paul go to the synagogues and then on to the Gentiles. It wasn't just something, something from his experience. It was something from the word of God. And even in this passage, as he meets with the Jewish leaders from Rome, it's very clear that he's convincing them. He's trying to persuade them from the Old Testament about the Messiah, the hope of Israel, as he puts it. Secondly, proclaiming the gospel of grace. Folks, this is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the gospel of grace because we don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to pay God back for it. And I love what Paul says to the Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer cries out, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's simple yet absolutely profound message back to him is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Folks, it's the gospel of grace. That's what separates our message from every other salvation message that every other religion on the face of this earth has. Grace. Because it's what God's done for us. Because he knows what we cannot do. It's not what he expects us to do for him and how we're supposed to earn it by trying to be good enough. And lastly, persisting in service persisting in service to the Lord, obviously, and to others, no matter what the circumstance may be. Are we continuing to serve the Lord? No matter what your circumstance may be, no matter what you find yourself in the midst of, are you persistent in serving the Lord? Look at verse 25 in Acts chapter 28, persuading others with the word of God, right? When they did not agree with one another, who's he talking about? He's talking about the Jewish leaders, they had come to where Paul was imprisoned. He was under house arrest. He was allowed to have visitors come to him. They were coming to him. They set up a time. He spent the entire day trying to persuade or convince them concerning the hope of Israel, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and salvation in Christ alone. And he spent all the time talking through the Old Testament, the prophets, all the prophecies concerning Christ. And he made it clear, I'm sure, about his own testimony, how he had experienced the Lord, how he had once been a Pharisee. He had been against Christians. He had persecuted them, made sure they had died for their faith. And how he had met the Lord on the road to Damascus, 
been miraculously saved and how God had called him to proclaim the gospel. When they did not agree with one another, they were listening to what Paul had to say. They didn't agree. They began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. Okay, now get this picture. They're all there. They've been there for the whole day. Paul's walked through all these different things from the word of God. This is what they hold high. This is what they would consider unique to them, to the Jewish people. Paul says in Romans, uh, what benefit is it to be Jewish? And Paul says, great in every respect. The very first thing he starts with is that they have the very oracles of God, the very word of God. They've been given the salvation message, not only for themselves, but also the entire world about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. They don't agree. They don't agree with one another. Clearly, there are some that are arguing about what Paul had to say. We've seen this all through the missionary journeys. There were some Jews who turned to Christ and were saved, but the majority of them did not. So they begin to leave, and Paul speaks to them a parting word. In other words, a parting idea. He takes the word of God again from Isaiah chapter 6, and he begins to share with them what Isaiah had prophesied. He says, the Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your fathers, saying, go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, in other words, if they had not closed their eyes, if they were willing to listen, With understanding, they might see with their eyes and they may hear with their ears and understand with their heart, not just their mind, their heart and return. And what's the promise? And I would heal them. Paul had shared with them all day from the Old Testament concerning Christ. They didn't agree with one another, so he uses this passage To, in effect, say to them, your hearing isn't right. You're seeing, but you're not recognizing. In Matthew chapter 13, the Lord had used this passage. You can find this passage used throughout all the Gospels. Paul uses it in his epistles, including the book of Romans, the letter to the believers. He's contrasting something here. He's contrasting hearing and understanding. He's contrasting seeing and perceiving. Understanding has the idea of putting all the pieces of the puzzle together, all the individual facts into a comprehensive whole, all the detail concerning the prophecies from the Old Testament, all the things that had come to pass as seen in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, all the things that were true concerning the word of God, all those different pieces of truth, bringing them together, all the pieces of the puzzle into a comprehensive truth, which is that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Have you ever been jet-lagged? How many of you have been jet How many of you have gone overseas? Yeah, I know you all have. You know exactly what this is, don't you? Amen. I hate jet lag with a passion. 
And I hate even more when, when I got team members telling me I got to stay awake because I got to get used to the jet lag. <laughs> that right? Isn't that the way it is? Just jump into the day and go through the day. I'm thinking I'm here for one week. I'm going to sleep so that when I'm supposed to do what I'm supposed to do, I, all right, soapbox. Jonathan and the team from Burma got back. And uh, to say that Jonathan has jet lag is an understatement of the century, right? Twelve and a half hours and a 15-year-old growing boy. Young man, sorry, young man. And I went in to wake him up. He had been up all night on Friday, couldn't go to sleep. He actually came in. I'm not used to seeing Jonathan at 7 o'clock in the morning, okay? That's like a surprise. And I sure am not used to him being awake before me. And he walked in, and so he fell back asleep <laughs> early Friday morning. I think it was about 7, 8 o'clock, and he slept till about 11, and I had to wake him up because he had to go somewhere. Well, the look on his face when I started to wake him up was priceless, right? It reminded me when he was a little kid, he would, he would scrunch his lips up, and it was like he was in a fog, and, and he, when he was a little kid, I won't say this that he did it now, but it would kind of reminded me, so you, you picture it, and he would drool, and he would just kind of look around like, are you for real, Dad? What day is this? Why are you waking me up? There's your idea. Right? Understanding. The total lack of it. It's as if the daylight had dawned and they were so asleep that they couldn't even understand. They couldn't even comprehend what was being shared with them. And they're looking at the Apostle Paul like, are you serious? What? Why are you disturbing our rest perceiving is the idea of seeing something but not understanding what is being seen (laughs) somebody came up to me this morning some of you have really gotten tickled about the fact that I don't like Brussels sprouts (laughs) and some of you have actually tried to convince me that they're okay You can't read this, but somebody gave me a recipe today that I refuse to give to my wife. (laughs) It's called Roasted Brussels Sprouts Chips. (laughs) Roasted Brussels Sprouts Chips. I don't understand that. (laughs) I can look at this and look at the ingredients and look at the directions and I go, what? It doesn't register to me. It's not something that I can understand. I don't perceive why anybody would do that. (laughs) That's the idea here. They hear, but they don't understand. They can't put it all together. It's like somebody's disturbed them. They see, they have all the facts. Who are they looking at? Who is sharing with them about the gospel, the Apostle Paul? I can guarantee you they've heard of the Apostle Paul. I guarantee you they knew that he was trained under Gamaliel. And I guarantee you that in chains as he sat there and began to share with them about the hope of Israel, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, that they were seeing something, but they were refusing. They were refusing to understand or to perceive 
what it is that they were seeing. Isaiah makes it clear their hearts were dull. There's the bottom line. Hearts were dull. Their eyes could not hear, their, or their ears could not hear, their eyes were closed. And if they were looking and listening, they would be healed. But they refused. They refused. All of this is within the context of Paul's presentation of the gospel. The salvation which is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I like what Warren Wiersbe says about this. It's one thing to listen and quite something else to hear. Wives, you know that with your husbands. <laughs> right? Football game's on. <laughs> My wife's talking to me. <sighs> it's one thing to listen, quite something else to hear. There's a great difference between seeing and perceiving. If anybody should have possessed spiritual understanding, it was these Jewish leaders, but their hearts were dull and hard. Too often, listen to this, because I believe this pertains to us. Too often, those who enjoy the most spiritual privileges are not ready when they must make spiritual decisions. Have we become so accustomed to having the word of God? Have we become so accustomed to the message of the gospel of grace? Have we become so accustomed to coming to church and enjoying fellowship with one another? We've become so accustomed, so accustomed, so that we've become dull of hearing. That when we have the word of God proclaimed to us and when we have the Lord sharing with us his word, that in one way, shape, or form, we just close our eyes and we turn off our ability to understand through our hearing. Folks, praise God for his grace. The word of God is able to renew our minds, to transform us, to wake us up. Paul says it in Romans. Wake up, wake up. Right? The whole world, the whole world is seething, as Os Guinness said. You can feel it. The idea is, are we ready to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only from here to our families and to our neighborhoods and to this state and to this nation, but into the uttermost? Because the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be declared everywhere. Well, there's persuading others with the word of God there's also proclaiming the gospel of grace. Verse 28, he says, Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. Now that's fascinating. Right? Those, those, <laughs> them's fighting words. Right? We've seen Paul do this over and over and over again. As he shared the gospel, as he shared the good news with his Jewish brethren. And as they've rejected it. He goes on, he says, when he had spoken these words, the Jews departed having a great dispute among themselves. They didn't want anything to do what he had to say. And they were disputing, they were fighting with one another. Acts chapter 9, verse 15, we have Paul's calling. When he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, in verse 15 of chapter 9, he says, The Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. This is Ananias who was supposed to go to Paul and help him because the Lord had met with Paul, and Paul was blinded, and for three days he remained that way. And Ananias said, Do what? 
Don't you know that this guy has imprisoned many and persecuted believers? And the Lord says to him, go, he's a chosen vessel of mine. What's he going to go do? He's going to proclaim the gospel, proclaim the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, to the Jews. Acts chapter 22, verses 21 and following, there's persecution as a result of this. We saw this, and this isn't the only example. It's over and over again. He said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And they listened to him up to this statement, and then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. You remember the setting? He's in the Temple Mount, and he was accused of bringing a Gentile into the Jewish area of the temple that only the Jews were allowed to go. And if anybody brought a Gentile into that area, the Jews had been authorized by the Romans to kill that individual. And so Paul was caught in the midst of this. There was a lie. There were Judaizers that had come from Asia, and they began to lie about the apostle. And the crowd came around Paul and began to beat him. And if you remember, the Roman centurion came to his rescue. The commander of the forces. And Paul was able to speak to the mob, and God quieted the mob down. And one of the things that Paul shared with them is that he had been called to go to the Gentiles. And as soon as he said that, they didn't want anything to do with what he had to say. Paul's pattern's clear. He'd go to the synagogues, proclaim the gospel to the Jews first, he'd take the gospel to the Gentiles. Not all the Jews rejected the gospel. Paul's one of them. There are many that received Christ. But nationally, the majority of them rejected their Messiah. And the Lord had Paul, the apostle, take the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. Because the word of God, the gospel, needs to be proclaimed to the entire earth. Well, in verse 30, we have the idea of persisting in service. And clearly, Paul would say that he was serving the Lord first and then others. And he did it no matter what the circumstances. How many times was this man beaten? How many times did he have faced danger? We just read about the fact and studied through the idea of him being shipwrecked and all the different things that went on in his life as a result of that. Bitten by a viper when he gets to the island of Malta. I mean, all the different things that he went through. It's indescribable. He's in prison. He's under house arrest. But you know what he was doing while he was there? Do you realize that while he was in house arrest for two years at this particular place, he wrote Philippians, he wrote Ephesians, he wrote Colossians, he wrote Philemon. Clearly, he continued to teach. He clearly continued to evangelize. If you look over at Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, Paul begins to share with the Philippian believers what God was doing in and through him. He had written this letter while he was in prison, while he was in jail under house arrest in Rome. And he says this, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. What a beautiful truth. Here he is in house arrest. Is he sulking? Is he feeling sorry for himself? Lord, get me out of this mess. I can be such a better servant for you out there. 
No, no, no. He continues to do what God's called him to do. He continues to encourage. He continues to evangelize. He continues to equip. He writes. Folks, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, do we understand that it's been filtered through the Lord's hands? And are we praising God in the midst of it? No matter what it is that we're going through, are we allowing God to be seen in and through us in such a way that he's being glorified, that the gospel is being proclaimed through our attitudes and our actions, through what we say, and no matter who it is that comes to us, we're ready to give an account for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It's very clear here that Paul was entertaining. He was allowing anybody to come to him. And when they did, he would preach to them, proclaim to them the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful truth. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it's fascinating how Luke does this. He starts out the entire account of the birth of the church and then how the gospel's taken from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, he says, To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. What's he talking about? He's talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus spent time with his disciples sharing with them about what? The kingdom of God. What is Paul doing when he's in jail? How does he bookend this entire account? Is the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that he's risen again from the dead and the kingdom of God. The Tyndale Commentary has a great quote on this. It says, The book of Acts revealed that God's salvation did not discriminate on the basis of race or politics. All had been brought near by the reigning Christ, and all could be saved through faith in his name. Paul was entertaining everybody. And in the midst of his circumstances, even though it was because of the chains of Christ, so to speak, because of how he was serving the Lord and how he had appealed to Caesar, he had already spent two years in prison under house arrest in Caesarea. He appeals to Caesar, and now he spends two more years in Rome under house arrest. In the midst of it all, what is he doing? He's proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's sharing with them about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And he does it to all. To all. We've looked at Acts pretty closely. Acts really is a story about the gospel being spread from Jerusalem to Rome. Jerusalem into Judea, into Samaria, and even to the uttermost. Right? Luke has documented for us the birth of the church at Pentecost. People wonder sometimes, when, when did the church actually begin? Well, it was the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came upon the believers at Pentecost, and the church was birthed. Luke has taken time and kind of walked through the proclamation of the Messiah to the Jews, Their overall rejection of Christ, the transition of the gospel to the Gentiles. We saw that in uh, Cornelius, how Peter went to his house, had that amazing vision where the animals were brought down to him in a sheet, unclean animals, animals that uh, Peter would have never eaten. 
And then he goes on to Cornelius' house and the Holy Spirit comes upon Cornelius. You saw Paul's conversion and his calling to be an apostle, to take the gospel even to the Gentiles. Saw the securing of the gospel of grace apart from the law, either prior to salvation or when somebody is saved. The necessity of somehow keeping the law in order to prove their salvation. Both Paul and Peter were in absolute agreement about this. And we saw that in the council of Jerusalem. There were Judaizers that came up and and criticized the Gentiles and said they hadn't been circumcised. How could they be saved? And then when they go to Jerusalem to talk it through and all the elders and the apostles and the leaders of the church were there walking through this, they had a heated dispute, a heated argument about it. But Peter stands up and says, hey, they received the Holy Spirit in the same way we did. We can't impose upon them the law as if somehow the law has the capability of saving anybody. And then there were people in Jerusalem who basically said, well, okay, great, they got saved, but now they better keep the law in order to prove their salvation. Peter and Paul were in total agreement. No, no, no. It's by the grace of God. By the grace of God. It's not by works. The three major mission journeys of Paul... Wow, what an amazing life, huh? I mean, can you imagine? I can't wait to meet the Apostle Paul after I talk to the Lord about uh, two billion years. Uh, I want to go spend some time with the Apostle. Say, brother, thank you for giving your life to the Lord because you ministered to me. The rest of Paul, his time in prison, And now, in this concluding moment, under house arrest in Rome. Wow. All of this is about faith in Christ. You realize that? All of it. All of it is about the gospel. All of it is about salvation in Christ. All of it is about coming to Christ by faith, recognizing that it's because of God's grace that we have that opportunity. And it's a walk now with the Lord that we're all called into, folks. It may look differently. There may be different things that we're a part of. But all of us are called to serve the Lord. All of us are called the ministry of reconciliation, and to proclaim the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, to follow him in it and to say, yes, Lord, no matter what it is, no matter what it may cost us. We're commanded to walk by faith. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, Paul writes this, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did we receive him? By works? Absolutely not. By faith. How are we to walk in him? By works? By what we think? No, no, no. By faith. By faith. The gospel must be proclaimed to all the world. Folks, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope for this world. It's the only hope. They they can sign all kinds of peace treaties, and I can guarantee you that doesn't change hearts. Amen? What we see all over the world is when the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is received, we see healing, we see unity, we see people that have been at war with one another coming together. 
profound. The question is, are we persuading others with the word of God? Are we in the word of God being transformed by the word of God? Are our minds being renewed by the word of God? Are we growing in our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we rightly related to him? And in the midst of that, are we able then to skillfully, correctly, accurately handling the word of God, share the message of the gospel of God's grace with others? Are we proclaiming that gospel Or have we bought into this PC nonsense? We don't want to offend. Friend, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is an offense. If I offend you, please forgive me. But if the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ offends you, God forgive you. Are we willing to take the gospel of God's grace to all? And are we willing to persist in our service to the Lord, no matter what the circumstance may be, with joy, with joy? Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into what? Various trials. It's been filtered through our mighty, wonderful, loving God's hands first. And are we able to go with joy before the throne and say, thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is to walk with you We want to keep right on serving you no matter what it may cost. Folks, we've got some tremendous days ahead. We've got some tremendous challenges. I was listening to uh, the report from ICM. I was so blessed by it. The stories of people and their suffering for Christ, whether it was over in the Middle East whether it was in India, Africa, doesn't matter where. That one story that hit me that I thought was so tremendous amongst all of them is they asked a pastor, how do you respond to ISIS? How do you respond to these people that have killed your friends and families and are persecuting you? Their immediate response was, oh, we forgive them. We forgive them. We want to help them. We want to feed them when they're hungry. And we want to walk with them so that they too can know Jesus. Wow. Wow. I believe God's going to do a work through this place, folks. I really do. I believe he's doing a work through this place. I think the issue is, are we yielded fully to the Lord? And are we going to continue to do that? Are we going to walk with God and everything? We're going to say, yes, Lord, no matter what. We say, Lord, we don't, we don't know exactly how to go about this, but thank God you don't expect us to because this is way bigger than us. It's bigger than our brains. We can't figure it out, but we want to follow you. And even when it doesn't make sense, Lord, we want to follow you. We want to trust you. We want to walk with you. We want to experience you. We want to know you because we know that's life. We want to be sanctified by your word, by truth. And no matter what the cost, no matter what it is that we may end up going through whatever the persecution we may end up facing. It doesn't matter because all of that is rubbish compared to knowing you. Is that our heart? Is that our cry? Are we willing to say, yes, Lord, take it all, including my life, and use it for your glory and your honor? Let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Would you bow your heads and just close your eyes with me for a moment? What's God doing in your life? What's God saying to you this morning? Do you know the Lord? Are you walking with him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ, his forgiveness? Are you in Christ? In Christ. The way to become a believer, the way to come to Christ, the way to be his child is to believe, to believe in him, to trust him. Have you done that? Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.